Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the InsureTech ATX podcast, hosted by yours truly, Andrew Carell, and my co-host and co-founder, Dave Perez. Dave's joined today by Lee Caper, Deputy CEO of Silverbridge, based in South Africa. Their conversation is pretty wide-ranging, specifically focusing on innovation challenges in the InsureTech community worldwide, as well as health tech. Uh, Without further ado, please enjoy Dave's conversation with Lee. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the InsureTech ATX podcast. We're uh, super excited to have Lee Caper with us from Silverbridge, um, all the way from South Africa. Um, Lee, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks, uh, Dave. Thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, doing well, thanks. Excellent. Well, uh, our our podcast here is geared towards uh, helping the InsureTech community here in Austin uh, and beyond to uh, connect, to learn, um, and just kind of listen to the experiences of other uh, CEOs, founders, uh, you know, people who have influence, experience that are valuable to to somebody that's trying to create an insure tech company. And uh, we are super excited for you to be here. Um, our mutual friend, Daniel, was kind enough to make the introduction. Uh, he has since gone through an acquisition, which is super exciting. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just excited that we could get connected here and wanted to kick it off by just asking a little bit uh, or asking you to share a little bit about your, your family. Tell us about your family and, yeah. and, and your background before we get started into the business stuff. Cool. No, as you said, I mean, I'm, I'm from South Africa, born, born and bred here, uh, was born in the, on the east coast of South Africa uh, in a city called Durban. Um, but pretty early on in my life, moved up to uh, a city, which is actually the capital of South Africa, which most people, well, not most people, but a lot of people don't know, which is Pretoria. And uh, I went to school here. That's where I met Daniel. Uh, we were at school together from pretty little and uh, um, studied here. And uh, yeah, I've been living here ever since. Um, my, my, my kind of background after school, after taking a bit of time off over overseas, I went to the UK and, and did some work there. But um, I started studying finance um, and, and qualified as a chartered accountant um, at the University of Pretoria. And uh, from there, went in to you know, a, a couple of sort of very typical audit engagements and those sort of things, but realized very quickly, very early on that, um, yeah, it's not, that wasn't really for me, um, but I'll kind of get into that, I guess, in terms of how we, you know, how, how, how that evolved into me going to Silverbridge. Um, yeah, but I'm married and I've got uh, two kids. Uh, my son, Owen, is uh, 14 years old and my daughter, Mia, is 12 or soon to be 12. Uh, you know, both bright kids uh, at school and uh, yeah, they both stay here at home with, uh, with my wife and I. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been to the States a couple of times. So, uh, you know, I really enjoy traveling there as well. Uh, haven't done so over the last few years, obviously, because of COVID, but uh, hoping yeah. to get over there again soon. Yes, uh, I think travel has halted for uh, a, a lot of business and leisure. Uh, but uh, we're, we're excited yeah. to get that spun back up. Uh, we're going to Costa Rica here in a couple of weeks. So hopefully, oh, nice. I mean, we, we've pushed yeah. that back uh, two years, but uh, we're excited to get yeah. back out and about and 
Um, just the other day, we had some folks show up to our InsureTech ATX happy hour. Uh, a few of them were from Argentina and a few for can were from Canada. So we're, oh, we're excited to see a little bit of movement there where people yeah. are, you know, getting back out and about. Uh, so hopefully that'll change in 2022, 2023. So we're looking forward yeah. to that. Um, we generally travel uh, to the States for a conference at least once a year uh, or, you know, or two. Um, uh, and we're hoping that this year, kind of towards the second half of this year, that that'll start to happen again and be possible again. So, Excellent. And, and which conference is that? Uh, we've we've attended a couple. So there's there's a you know a micro we're we're a Microsoft technology business. So we we, we do a lot of work with Microsoft. So we typically mm -hmm. attended some of their conferences. But there's also the the big insurance conference in Vegas uh, in ITC. September. Mm -hmm. um, ITC. Uh, so we're, we're we're looking. You know, we're aiming for that, hoping hoping that you know that's possible. But uh, we'll have to see how things go. Excellent. Maybe things will calm down by then and anybody who's listening here can say, hey, I listened to you on the InsureTech ATX podcast. Very nice to meet you. So uh, maybe yeah, we can all connect so. there as well. Um, well. Well, tell us a little bit about Silverbridge um, and just kind of uh, it sounds like it's been around for a while. 1995 is when it started and uh, yeah. you came on board after it had gone publicly or gone public in 2006, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, and then you came on board in 2007. So you're kind of walking into uh, a publicly traded company in the technology space. Uh, wh what was that process like of you getting hired? Uh, and then, yeah. you know, day one, what, what are things that you do as, uh, you know, upper level management, uh, CFO, CEO? Like, how, how are you, what are you doing day one uh, sure. to, to learn and to, figure out the direction you're going to take the company. Yeah, so so my journey, as I mentioned, you know, I kind of I started in finance, but realized that, you know, this just wasn't really what I, I didn't want to work in like the traditional audit or corporate finance type, <clears throat> type of world. I wanted to get involved in business um, and work for a company that's making stuff or that's, you know, doing stuff. And um, I, I ended up uh, applying for a position for, for Silverbridge and it was the first one that I applied for leaving my, my articles out of PwC and, um, and ended up liking the company. They like me and I joined in, in the finance department as the, as the financial, as the financial commercial manager, uh, which really meant that I was working with customers and contracts and, and in the commercial aspects of the business. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of suited my skill set and my experience to that point, but, very quickly, I started to, to, to learn the business. So day one, it, it became really interesting to me how technology in this really old, traditional, somewhat boring industry of insurance was, was making this big difference and how, you know, something like technology, which is advancing so quickly and, you know, things, things are changing, um, how it actually had a role to play in actually changing this really old industry as well. Uh, so very quickly from there, just because I was interested in the business and I was interested in, in what it was doing for our customers, I, uh, I got offered the position of sales executive. Um, so moved completely out of finance into sales and started traveling across the continent of Africa, selling our software to uh, various insurance companies. 
Um, and yeah, that, that was, that, that was a really interesting experience for, for me, uh, learning a lot about the product, the, you know, the, the, the inner workings of a, of an insurance company to be able to sort of make the product fit. Um, but you know, from there also, you know, making incredible networks and, and meeting incredible people. Um, and then I did that for about three years. And then after that, um, moved a little bit more into the operations side, started getting involved in the customer service side, in the product development side, and then did that for a few years, ran, uh, I was CEO of one of the subsidiary companies that looked after uh, servicing customers and implementing the solution. Um, and then um, a couple of years back uh, was made chief operating officer um, of the business and then you know, see, uh, from there moved into the CEO position. So yeah, it's been a it's been a, a journey of really kind of just sinking my teeth into various aspects of the business. Um, you know, so really, I guess a roundabout way to answer your question was day one was just to try and understand this thing, you know, like and this this intersection of insurance and technology, and and how these two kind of kind of met in 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 a place where there was a lot of opportunity. Um, and then sort of learning about that and translating that into what I felt was was good for our company. Um, yeah, and then you know through the, through those various roles and, and and over the years we managed to grow Silverbridge substantially. Uh, we managed to break into big large uh, um, insurance companies in South Africa. Uh, I think in terms of US standards they're probably pretty small, but um, but but you know for our market you know the bigger ones and. And that sort of put us on a on a different level, um, mm. and you know we kind of got to, got to mature a lot as an organization and as people within the organization. Mm. And I, well, I guess the good news is you got got away from the spreadsheets and the audits and the yeah. whole, you know the, you're probably back to that a little bit, but, but at a high level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Fortunately, um, yeah, I get I get to be the consumer of some of those things now, as opposed yeah. to the person who needs to go and build them and, <laughs> and analyze them. But um, yeah, That's I mean, right. I, I think in some ways, Excel is a reality for every person. It's just one of those things you don't, uh, you don't get away from. But, right. uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, for me, having that finance background really helps as well. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I talk about it as if it's something that I, that, that I didn't enjoy and I didn't, but it, but which is maybe true, but it was, it was a really good start because I got to sort of really understand the fundamentals of our business, but also mm -hmm. kind of translate that into, you know, what makes an insurance company tick and what makes an insurance company earn you know, money and, and, and what, you know, what are the fundamentals that matter? Yeah. Did, when, when you were in the, you know, in the uh, finance role and then also in the sales role and the operations role, did you ever see yourself as CEO or, or kind of like, kind of stop and think, I might be getting groomed for something here? Or did you just kind of look up one day and you're like, I guess I'm the right, right man for the job? Um, I mean, did, did you realize at the time that that was happening? Um, or was it deliberate or was it just kind of? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that it was necessarily deliberate. I mean, I guess over the last few years, that was something that was more deliberate and it was understood by myself and mm -hmm. a few of the other people on the board and things like mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, over, over time, it was really just a combination of me having a pretty good idea of 
not necessarily the position that I wanted to be in or the title that I wanted to hold, but just the type of work that I wanted to do. So just mm -hmm. the things that I wanted to do every single day. And that was working with people, um, you know, understanding the fundamentals of business, helping improve those. Um, and, and all of those kind of came together in a way where eventually, because of these different roles that I had, I started to develop you know, a very good comprehensive view of the business at a level, which ended up being super useful you mm -hmm. know, in, a, in, in a senior context, mm -hmm. um, which then naturally led to me being a good candidate for that type of role. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe at some point it became intentional from, from you know, the, the leadership within the company to, to, to steer me in that direction. Um, yeah, but in my mind, it was always just, well, you know, I'm here to learn and I'm here to make a difference. And if it ends up me being a CEO at another company, well, then so be it. It, it, it wasn't necessarily that I, I joined from day one and had this, this target in mind. It was just, it was a natural progression that happened, uh, happened over time. Yeah, very unique set of skills to get that experience. You know, usually, uh, you know, you read all these books uh, on the CEOs here in America, and a lot of them kind of go on that sales track up or, you know, one yeah. technology track up, all the way up. And so it's uh, really neat to see uh, that uh, deep of experience in, in uh, different aspects of the business, uh, which probably uh, makes you very successful. Um, the uh, it sounds like there's a lot of initiatives and strategy that goes into your role now. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of those initiatives that you're super excited about for Silverbridge? Yeah, yeah. So look, I mean, um, at the heart, Silverbridge is a software business. We you know, we we are uh, developing software for insurance companies mm -hmm. um, to use in, in in various aspects of their business and. Uh, we, we've done that very successfully throughout the continents of Africa um, and specifically South Africa um, over, the, uh, over the, the history of the business, 26 going on 27 years now. Um, but over the last few years, so really the last five years, I would say, um, we've, we've modernized the business, we've modernized our thinking, we've re-architected the platform, um, you know, we've really embraced cloud, We've embraced digital um, and we've found ourselves in a position where even from you know, external research companies and um, you know, competitors, uh, customers, uh, we've been regarded pretty highly in terms of the things that we're doing and, and the difference that it's making. So we've started to look and see where else we could do that. And, and, and so an, ex an exciting initiative for us over the next while is to is to look to sort of broaden our horizons a little bit beyond Africa. Um, we've initially identified the Middle East and UK and the UK markets as, uh, as sort of good next steps for us to go and explore. Um, being in a relatively similar time zone helps. Um, having the ability to talk the same language helps. Um, and a lot of, especially in the UK, a lot of the, the, the insurance market legislation uh, and the way it works is very similar to the way it works in South Africa. Uh, the, the Middle East is a different story. There it works very different, uh, but there are some similarities. Um, so, you know, that's an exciting initiative that we're, that we're looking at, uh, at exploring and that we're kind of working on now. And, and what kind of challenges are you running into when you, when you enter into those, those markets, particularly from a regulatory standpoint? 
Yeah, and I think obviously insurance is highly regulated wherever you go. Um, I think we've had good exposure to almost the two extremes of, of, of those worlds. South Africa is a very, you know, or let's say relatively mature uh, financial services insurance market. Um, we have very strong, uh, very strong regulator, uh, very strong standardization across the industry. Um, it's it's a compliance and regulation is something that's a huge factor for, for for our insurance companies. So we're used to working with you know all the aspects of regulation when engaging with customers. But similarly, um, you know, we're on the other end of the spectrum. A lot of the countries throughout the continent of Africa are very new to insurance, and um, therefore the regulation is fairly immature. It's fairly um, it's fairly uh, early yeah, early days in terms of in terms of its its, its formation and its application within a business. Um, so you find all sorts of weird and wonderful things that the insurance companies are doing, which in other countries would just you know not even not even be considered because they from a regulatory perspective they wouldn't they wouldn't be allowed um and from us as a as a, as a tech provider within to within to those companies we need to be able to cater for all of these things um so as we've gone into these different countries um well, we've learned to sort of have the flexibility and you know flexibility in a way that scales uh to be able to deal with the different you know parameters of of, of regulation so as we've gone into these 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 new markets now uh, it's not necessarily a completely new challenge for us. It's not as if we've gone from just one market, South Africa, and, 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 into, and into something completely new like the Middle East. Um, mm -hmm. We've worked in markets where the regulation is different, where the culture is different, you know, the processes that, that, that insurance companies typically follow. For example, in Kenya, um, there are hundreds and hundreds of banks, but none of them work in the same way. So mm. when you do payments or you know, uh, payment collections, uh, the, the, the actual way of collecting money is completely different uh, across mm. different banks. And then they've got something like Mpesa, uh, which is a, like a mobile money that is basically bigger than any bank in, in, in Kenya. And um, you know, that's what's used predominantly by most people in Kenya to pay each other, to pay for goods, services. Um, and you know, so, so you start to use things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. And that comes with a different set of regulations. So um, we, we've been exposed to a number of those the, 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 those sort of variants uh, of, of, of regulatory environments across the markets that we've worked in. And as we sort of now look at these new markets, in a way, it's it's simpler because they are mature markets. They are regulated. There's there's a lot more standardization. So that makes it a little bit easier to cater for what the what the market needs. Hmm. When you look at um... You know, so, so you're expanding geographically. Uh, when you look at entering into different uh, segments, and, and you know, this is an insurtech uh, conversation. So, specifically on the life insurance, the PNC side, and the health side, you know, what what kind of opportunities are you seeing in any of those verticals that Silverbridge is starting to to head down? Yeah. So we we've we've always worked predominantly in the life uh, in the life vertical. Uh, life and pension funds, mm -hmm. um, but we've seen how the the kind of verticals have started to <clears throat> coexist a little bit more within, at least in our market, where you know, they used to be very separate and segregated. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, we've we've found some really interesting opportunities within the medical, um, not necessarily medical insurance only, 
but mm. in the in, in the medical industry and the use of medical data um, whether that be from a pharmaceutical data or whether it be from doctors or wearables or you know mm. various medical data that's that, that's available um, and we've gone and partnered with the, with these data companies um, to to incorporate that data into decision making within the, within the within the life insurance space. So, mm -hmm. for example, in an in an underwriting decision, uh, we would uh, have the ability to make an automated um, an automated underwriting call uh, um, or underwriting decision using a person's uh, medical data. Obviously, there's all sorts of interesting uh, you know things around privacy um, and you know. The, where you get that data from. So we need to be very careful to make sure that it's all above board. But when, you know, very often people are very comfortable to share a lot of that data and they understand that it's being used for, for their benefit. And you know, we've got companies here in South Africa, um, maybe you know about uh, Discovery, Discovery Health um, and Discovery Life. So they, they, they were pioneers, I think, you know, in, in, in a worldwide sense in terms of creating this program, which they call Vitality. Um, and that's using oh, yes. mm -hmm. the data that comes from um, you know your behavior and, and whether yes. that be exercise behavior, eating behavior, um, you know various other things, and, and using that to price in your insurance, your uh, you know whether it be health insurance or life insurance or investments. Mm -hmm. uh, they've now even launched a bank. Um, so we've started sort of working a little bit more into that space. So that's another exciting opportunity really in the space of intelligent automation um, and specifically around underwriting and claims decisions, how we use data from outside of the industry, actually. So not just typical life insurance system data, but actually go outside and, and start to pull data from, from various other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Um... I think and now that you mentioned Vitality, uh, they've got a partnership with Humana, and we've we've been on their platform before and right. use their yeah. use their software. Uh, so uh, yeah, so even here in the states, we're using using the same same technology. So uh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, what what other challenges do you see? Um, you know, just kind of from your perspective, uh, you know, at, a, at like a global level starting to move into different verticals, starting to move into different geographies. I mean, uh, what other challenges uh, and opportunities do you see um, moving forward? I think, yeah, and, and, and kind of depends from which perspective you look at it, whether it's a challenge or an opportunity. I think something that we've seen, not only in our, in, in, in our traditional market, but in new markets that we're starting to, to explore, is that many of these old established insurance companies sit with a lot of legacy um, mm. they, and, and that legacy doesn't just exist in you know the, the software that they use or uh, the way they use it but it also sits in the people and the processes and the, you know some of these guys have IT departments bigger than most most IT companies um, you know really just keeping that system going and, and keeping keeping their, their, their sort of digital uh, assets you know evolving and, and going and mm -hmm. i think what we're seeing is that that's becoming more and more challenging for these big established players to keep together and to mm -hmm. and to sort of really keep up with some of the new entrants coming into the market um, and 
you know, the, the, they, the new guys have got the benefit of starting from scratch, you know, being completely digital, but they also have the disadvantage of not having the, the strong customer base, the strong channels, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the established models and, and processes of, of, of working within an insurance company and understanding the risk and, and pricing that correctly and all of those things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, 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 it's, it's an interesting sort of dynamic where on the one hand, everybody's talking about how these insure tech companies are going to disrupt the traditional players. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we're, we're seeing that the, that, that the traditional players have got a lot of what's required for these insure tech companies actually to make bigger leaps in terms of, in terms of their own growth. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we think that an interesting opportunity is really for the two to work together uh, mm-hmm. more and, and not see it as an either or type of scenario where it's, right. you know, the old traditional players or insure tech you know, sort of new insurance tech companies. We see it as something that should rather become um, a combination of the, the legacy in a good way of, mm-hmm. of, of these sometimes, you know, 100, over 100 year old companies, um, yeah. but that they've had the ability to evolve and work with and embrace modern technology um, and really work with the insurance tech companies out there to start to service their customers better, to run their business better, to price, uh, you know, price better, um, and ultimately sort of change the industry for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the worst saying I, I, I imagine globally is that's the way we've always done it uh, when it comes yeah. to the tr- traditional insurance agencies and 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 carriers and brokerages and MGAs, wholesalers, everybody. Um, and I'm sure it <clears throat> sounds like it's no different in South Africa than it is in the United States. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. And, and I don't know, you know, it's probably, I would guess, similar there as well. But because there's these huge departments of people that are really responsible for the technology within these insurance companies, there's a large amount of resistance to go and work with these new innovative things that are coming through. And they have a mindset of, well, they'll rather just build it themselves or, you know, they'll kind of try and just slap on on top of what they've got some sort of a digital layer or right. uh, or something like that but um you know re- really the answer lies in in kind of collaborating and working together i think mm-hmm. um but there's a little bit of a territorial game and uh, you know that's always difficult in especially big companies mm-hmm. um yeah and, the, and then there's this thing of like you say you know that we've, that we've always done it that way for the mm-hmm. last hundred years so you know why change mm-hmm. now right right uh, one of the things that I've I've heard from a lot of agencies um, is, you know, hey, we, we love the technology, we love the concept, but we don't want you to come in. How how do we know that the technology is going to work and that you don't destroy all our data or that you don't, uh, you know, mess up our relationships with our clients? There's almost this reluctance of, you know, hey, I like what you're working on, but let's I need you to use that on somebody else first before you come yeah. use it on my clients. Um, we've seen that and, and uh, I'm, my agency is small enough to where I can uh, be seen more of a, of a playground for a lot of these in, insure tech companies. And some of them right. in the early days have, have failed and you know, they haven't cost me relationships, but I've got to be like, hey, you know, this, uh, this didn't work the way we thought it was, but, uh, and, and usually, 
because of my clientele who's in the technology space, they're usually very forgiving. Uh, you know, like, hey, yeah. it's technology, it breaks. Our stuff breaks all the time. Uh, just fix it, fix the bug, make, you know, update the software and let's, you know, let's let's see it uh, and, and, and move on. And uh, I feel like they're, my point in saying that is that there's hope uh, because yeah. technology companies, uh, you know, uh, any company that's being built uh, in, in the modern era is very digitally focused and, and has high expectations. Um, and so they're kind of pushing that boundary from my perspective and at least in the States on, you know, Hey, it takes two weeks or three weeks to get an endorsement. They're like, that's, that's too long. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, why does it take so long? And, uh, we have to go back and explain how big they are and how they've been around for a hundred years. And that's the way they've always done it. And that they'll pay the claims and just take a little bit longer. And, and uh, I, you know, marrying those up uh, to your point, if they work together, uh, could produce a lot of magic for our clients who we're trying to ultimately serve. Um, and yeah. so I'm, I'm excited to hear about those opportunities, uh, you know, throughout the globe. And I think, if everybody's pushing each other uh, in, a, in a healthy way, like spurring each other on and not necessarily competing. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think it'll create a lot of magic for our clients and, and they can have better experiences, better user experiences. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super yeah, excited. We're seeing a, a big push coming from the clients themselves. So as a younger kind of more tech savvy customer base starts to become the buyer, you know, mm -hmm. or, or, or the, or the predominant buyers of insurance, Mm -hmm. uh, and especially new insurance, uh, yeah, they, the, as you said, the guys are saying, well, why do I need to wait a week for this? Uh, yeah, I, everything else I do, I push a button and it's there. Yeah. Uh, so why can't it work like that when I buy you know, home insurance or life insurance or whatever? Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, there's ways to explain and you know, it's got to go through different processes, but some of the stuff is not necessary and some of the stuff can be automated and you know, in an intelligent way. Um, where maybe you know it's not at a push of a button, but it's not. It's definitely not a week. Um, and, and like I say, you know, if, if if we can start to almost sort of marry these these two worlds, I think we'll make a lot progress a lot quicker than, than yeah. what we have been making. At least right. at least from our perspective, what we've seen. Right, and and that's why I'm bullish on the insure tech space just in general and have an interest in that. Um, you know, the the more companies that uh, you know, create software, create opportunities to make that user experience better. Um, you know, we're, we're all going to benefit from that. Um, our, our membership base is predominantly early stage uh, InsurTechs. Um, that's that's kind of who we're catering to here at InsurTech ATX and who we're trying to help support and, uh, you know, provide connections, resources, uh, and stuff like that. And I think it would be a tragedy if I didn't ask you just straight up, what kind of advice do you have for maybe uh, a first time founder or uh, somebody who's very young in the industry, uh, just starting their company? Uh, you know, a lot of folks come in from the outside and say, hey, there's a real problem here. I'm going to solve it. But they don't have the insurance chops just quite yet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not directing it at one particular scenario, but just some general advice that maybe you have for early stage founders or folks who are coming into this industry trying to solve those problems that we're talking about. Yeah. So, so I, I think maybe two two important <clears throat> things that I could share uh, that I learned 
in some ways in the hard, the hard way over, over the years. Um, the best way to learn them sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's the best way to learn, but uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes <laughs> a painful way to learn. But um, yeah, the, the first one would be really just to listen listen to the customer as mm. often and as you know as real as possible, and and open yourself up to get that feedback as as quickly and um, you know as honestly as possible, because there's so many companies I think that live in this bubble of an illusion of, you know, they believe that what they've got is the best and it's, uh, you know, and, and when somebody criticizes it or somebody doesn't quite get it, they say, Oh, well, you know, you just don't get it. Uh, you, you, you know, you, but, but if someone doesn't get it, there's something wrong. Uh, it means that they, they, you know, there's something missing and maybe it's in the messaging, maybe it's in the way it's, it's, it's packaged. Um, but you know, that feedback from customers is, is crucial, crucial. I think, especially as you start to grow, uh, you know, when, when you're a small business, often your first customers, you know, by name and you, you know, you can give them a call and you can, and you can have this very personal relationship to get that feedback. But as you start to grow and you get more and more customers, that's not possible. So you've got to have a, have a way to sort of get that, still get that feedback and still try and incorporate that feedback into how you work, your products. Um, so, so I think that's key. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then, then secondly, the, the other thing that I learned um, definitely as I, as I got older in, in sort of the roles that I've had and, and not ultimately kind of being in the CEO role is that the, the people in your business are, are really what it's about. Um, mm. And if you can create a place which allows people to be themselves um, and allows people to, to kind of bring their own ideas and, um, you know, and, and just way of being in, in, into a company, then you get a lot more out of it. You know, they get a lot more out of it and ultimately your customers get a lot more out of it. So, you know, for me, I went from a place where I came from a very traditional business mindset of, you know, you leave your personal stuff at home and you, and work is work and family is mm-hmm. family. But mm-hmm. when you're at work, you gotta, you gotta focus on work and, um, you know, very traditional structures of hierarchy and management and executive mm-hmm. and all those sort of things. And over the years, we've realized that if you treat people like adults, you know, they will, they will behave like that. And, and, you know, and if, if you give them responsibility, they will, you know, they will take it and run with it. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, there's always exceptions to that rule. And you deal with those exceptions. But, but I think one of the biggest things that, that I've seen, um, you know, make a big difference in our business, but that I've also seen people get wrong is as they start to grow that, you know, a place that used to be fun to work at, that used to be, mm. uh, you know, people had these relationships that they lose that, uh, whether it's because they've got outside funding or they've now got a board or, you know, they've got mm. targets that they need to hit because of the market. All of yeah. those things are real and can't be ignored, but mm. you know, you shouldn't do those things at the cost of, probably why you've started the business in the first place, which is to create a place for yourself and probably the other people working with you to have fun and, you know, and, and solve important problems, but, but, but really enjoy, enjoy yourself while you do it. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Well, um, uh, is there, uh, if somebody's listening <clears throat> and they want to reach out to you or connect with you, either, uh, you know, the email or social media, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, so either via email or uh, LinkedIn. Um, okay. you know, I'm on, on LinkedIn, uh, Lee Caper, um, and uh, um, 
as I said, you know, at Silverbridge. And uh, yeah, my email is uh, Lee, L double E dot caper, K U Y P E R at silverbridge.co.za. Uh, so that's my email address. You know, if someone wants to reach out and you know, if you have any questions about what we've discussed or anything else that you know, may be of interest, uh, you know, more than happy to, to try and help. Excellent. And uh, perhaps see you at I, ITC this year. Is that? Uh, yeah, I really hope so. Yeah, yeah I really I hope, hope so. so. I mean, it's, it's basically going to happen as long as we're allowed to travel. So mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've got a couple of people from our side that we'd like to take over and you know, start to start to expose to some of the things that are happening in other parts of the world and, and hopefully learn a bit and you know, maybe even contribute a bit but uh, you know, it's all it's all depending at this stage what happens with uh, with COVID and and traveling and unfortunately in South Africa we've had some pretty bad luck the last while with uh, you know the rest of the world kind of thinking that we we're coming up with all the new variants and then we <laughs> we get we get we get locked down uh you know when the rest of the world carries on so hopefully we you know we and and, and others have become a little bit wiser and mm -hmm. uh you know things like that don't repeat itself but uh yeah there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully we can get back to those sort of things soon yeah i think the world is ready <laughs> yeah for so, sure um, for sure well I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. Yeah, you got a publicly traded company to run, but thanks for spending time with us today and, and uh, appreciate your insights. And uh, yeah, just look forward to, to hearing about the expansion into the other countries moving forward and uh, you know different verticals. And um, you know, hopefully some of our listeners, listeners will give you a follow and Silverbridge a follow and uh, keep up with the progress. So appreciate your time, Lee. Great. Thanks. Thanks very, very much, Dave. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Bet. Thanks. That does it for this edition of the InsureTech ATX podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. For more information on the InsureTech ATX community, please visit InsureTechATX.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Andrew Carell. Mm -hmm.